You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. They were talking about Black Lightning. What were they saying? That he's back. Is he? The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. We are looking for a regular human black male. Do you believe in the resurrection? Welcome to the season finale of the Freeland Gazette, the unofficial Black Lightning podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Tuesday, March 19th, 2019, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, Black Lightning. Please welcome my co-hosts to our season finale broadcast, Dimitri Wijasinger. What's good, Freeland? And Professor X. Hello, everyone. All right, so let's jump into our recap of Season 2, Episode 16, which was titled The Book of Apocalypse, Chapter 2, The Omega, and aired March 18th, 2019. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Lynn goes head-to-head with Dr. Jace once and for all. Meanwhile, Gamby risks his life to save Jennifer. Tobias makes a major move to cripple Freeland and kill Black Lightning, requiring our superhero family to step up like never before. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 2, Episode 16. Black Lightning's season finale, Season 2 finale, was viewed by 850,000 total viewers with a point two in the demo. It uh, saw a slight increase in total viewership and was flat in the demo. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the Season 2 finale of Black Lightning. And let's start off with Dimitri. Justice for Thunder Grace. Justice for Thunder Grace. Lord. I cannot believe we did not get our Thunder Grace payoff this episode. I'm hoping for season three. They better make it right in season three, but I'm hella salty about that. Other than that, though, this was a great, great finale. 
um, brought out uh, some really touching moments with the whole family dynamic that I feel really drives this show. And um, some really unexpected moves from the antagonist that I think, you know, made for a great showdown. Alrighty. So we are officially on the hype train, or at least Dimitri is on the hype train. Uh, Professor, do you have your ticket? I have my ticket. Uh, I agree with everything uh, Dimitri said, including the the Thunder Grace stuff. I think that was the one thing that was missing from this episode was, you know, even if we don't get a resolution of Thunder Grace, at least reminding us uh, about Grace being out there and uh, dealing with that. But there was, you know, so much they had to do in this episode that it kind of took the uh, the back burner. Uh, but I agree, the family stuff was tremendous. Uh, Lynn was great. Um, uh, Tobias, uh, you know, uh, getting his comeuppance. Uh, everything about it. Uh, and, you know, Odell's uh, little twist at the end. I thought it was a very satisfying uh, episode that clearly sets up where they're going next season. Oh, yes. And uh, I am on the hype train as well, choo-choo motherfuckers, because, man, fantastic episode. Jam-packed. Jam-packed with lots of just fantastic stuff happening in this episode there's so much to discuss uh it, i just i watched it twice because it, it just left me feeling so hype like it is fantastic I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh we have much to discuss so uh before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of black lightning here's our announcer with a few special announcements Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. 
Thanks, announcer. So, uh, I feel like I always say we have a lot to discuss, but man, do we have a lot, like a lot in all caps, to discuss for this episode. There's so much that happened, uh, so much was resolved, like all of our storylines just like crashed into each other, minus Thunder Grace, in this episode, and... Man, okay, uh, I don't even know where to start. Good grief. Uh, okay, we should start at the beginning, because we had a, a meeting that I don't think we've ever seen before, maybe, in the series, that I, I don't I don't know if I ever needed to see them paired up together, but we've got Lala and Gambi in a scene together, and it was pretty awesome, just because Lala is all about that, uh, I need to kill Tobias life, and so all he needed to know from Gambi was are you with Tobias? And he's like, no, man, I'm not with Tobias. He's like, okay, you can live. And so he leaves. And so um, he leaves uh, Gamby to tend to Jennifer, who's um, overpowered in a big way. Some would even say bigly. And uh, he's like, go into your safe space. And so she goes into her safe space, but her safe space version of Perenna is basically like, get out. You're not welcome here. Uh, you're going haywire. You need to find that muscle that you can uh, sort of twitch. What the fuck was that? I know. To control what's going on. And, and for some reason, she figures it out. You know, it was very much like a haiku. It was like a fortune cookie. You know, very vague in, in what's going to happen. But she somehow manages to, to do it. And she cools down. But uh, before she cools down, she, like... Um, she, I guess, gives Gamby, like, radiation burning, radiation poisoning, something like that, sort of. I don't know the science term. But basically, Gamby goes down. And uh, the radiation is too powerful for him. Fortunately, Black Lightning and Thunder arrive just in time to, A, uh, whisk Gamby away. The girls go to go with Gamby with the van, which apparently can drive itself. And uh, they're going to the Sanctum, which I don't remember. I feel like this might be the first time the Lair actually has a name. I can't remember if they've ever said Sanctum. Maybe one of you might remember that. And uh, and uh, Black Lightning is going to go into, uh, I guess, the sewers to, to find uh, Tobias or, or to see if there are any clues down there. We'll pause right here because uh, we had a, a quite a, a dramatic start to the episode, especially as how the episode ended uh, in the previous uh, installment, the part one to this two-part uh, book of the apocalypse um, a pod of episodes. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dimitri, since you were talking first, uh, break this down for me. What did you think of uh, that tiny little moment with Lala? And uh, what was going on with Jennifer and, um, and I don't know what to call her, um, AI Perenna, maybe? The, the Perenna thing I honestly didn't get. I thought the whole point of Perenna is to help... Jen control her powers, and right when she's losing control, she hits up Perenna, and Perenna's like, get the fuck out. Well, I that's not Perenna, though. Remember, there's, like, an AI... I don't, I don't know what to call it, but AI is the only thing that I can think of. There's, like, a version of Perenna in her mind that we've seen before that's not Perenna. That's there to sort of... Um, I don't know. I don't know how to no, I, it. It's a manifestation of Jennifer's uh, unconscious. There you go. No, I, I, I get that. I do. But it's just, like, what? Like... Aren't you still there to help? Why are you like get the fuck out? Um, 
and then like the the AI Pareno whatever knew the answer, like knew what to do. She just wouldn't tell her until she was like, "Get the fuck out!" And just like, "Wait, no help!" And then she finally tells her like, "Curl your toes" or something. It's like we've been here for a whole season. You couldn't have said "curl your toes," but you know, oh be that as it may. Um, the moment with Lala was hilarious. I like how he's like all strapped. It was weird that like Gamby. I guess Gamby was a little out of his element. You think of Gamby as like always, always strapped, always like ready to handle like someone who's not a meta. Um, and Lala's pointing a gun at him, and Gamby's just like for a second doesn't know what to do, and then he's just like, "You with Tobias? No, I." Um, it was um, to me it was just comic relief. It was funny. I. It was weird because, like, I was like, this guy was such a strong antagonist. You're, you're making him sort of an ally now. And that clearly is the direction he, they went, as we'll probably discuss later on. But that moment was just, I don't know, it's just pure, pure comedy. Um, the thing that really struck me, though, was I think we're so used to seeing um, Gamby going in with a with a plan you know always having sort of a, a good game plan of what to do and i didn't realize that he was putting himself in any danger until he suddenly collapsed and then jen realizes he's in trouble that like i thought you know his gloves or whatever were gonna protect him or something and then all of a sudden he gets cooked and you're like wait what um and obviously that led to a very uh tearjerkery moment later on which we'll probably discuss but uh, that was the one thing that threw me for a loop in this opening was it seemed like Gamby was more out of his element than usual Professor how did you interpret the uh, Perina AI scene well um, yeah I think you know if, if we think of this as you know Jen going to her safe space you could make the argument that the Perenna in her safe space was was basically saying you can't be here because your body is basically going to explode out in the real world so you can't be here you know when that's going to happen there mm-hmm. um, and and maybe you could argue that you know uh, because it's a manifestation of you know her unconscious maybe Jen on some level knew that there was something she had to do to control it in the same way that uh, thunder has to hold her breath in order to manifest her powers. Um, so maybe it was something that she sort of sensed intuitively, uh, but couldn't consciously access. Uh, it had to be her unconscious that brought it out. Again, I didn't think they dealt with that particularly well, um, but, uh, you know, the fact that she did, you know, regain control and apparently retained it for the rest of the episode, um, you know, uh, you know, so it kind of worked for her. I kind of agree with the idea that, you know, uh, you know, Gabby did kind of get, have the drop taken on him by, uh, you know, Lala, in Gamby's defense, two things. One, you know, he's obviously panicked about Jennifer and his racing tri-saber. And also, he put those big bulky gloves on. So even if he was packing heat, he couldn't have reached for the gun. So That is true. Touche. I like all those points. So uh, let's see. Let's continue on with Gamby and uh, the girls. So they head to uh, the, um, the lair and uh, the sanctum. And uh, there are there's like a re- there are a couple of really good scenes between the sisters together, trying to help Gamby. Obviously, uh, Anissa has a medical background, so she kind of knows what to do. And uh, they have um, some really interesting talks about blame and what to do next and uh, the rules that were created by Jefferson in the previous episode. Uh, 
and uh, there is a, a bit of a happy ending, I should say, when it comes to at least Gamby. He does not die, of course, and, and he is able to at least recover a bit uh, based off of what Anissa uh, was doing, you know, as far as injecting him and, and, and that kind of stuff. So, uh, Professor, talk to me a little bit about the conversations that uh, the sisters were having as they were trying to save Gamby. What did you think of it? And, uh, you know, we always talk about the interplay between the sisters on this show and, and on a couple of uh, the other Arrowverse shows that have, you know, really strong familiar relationships. What did you think of them together? Uh, well, before I get to that, I just do want to mention the Gamby thing, which is that he's been blasted with radiation to the point where he's got radiation burns scarring his face and she gives him a couple of ibuprofen and he's up and running around five minutes later so <laughs> let's hear for ibuprofen i mean um, i know it's a miracle drug and who knows maybe he is batman um now that so leaving that aside you know it did you know having uh you know gamby recovering off in the other room did give uh jennifer and anissa a chance to talk uh you know and deal with seeing the riots uh and everything like that um i liked the scene it did feel a little bit to me like it was a bit too didactic you know uh, a bit, uh, you know, uh, almost lectury, even though they sort of brought out both sides by having this same one thing. And, but it felt too much like, you know, a dialogue for making a political point about rioting and the sense of uh, of, uh, of helplessness that drives people rather than something that felt, you know, organic uh, to the actual episode. Um, uh, I, it was kind of necessary given that, you know, Tobias was trying to set this up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it felt a little tacked on to me. Now that said, you know, uh, Black Lightning often does, you know, have uh, scenes like this because it is dealing with bigger issues, uh, than just, you know, meta powered people, uh, running around beating up the bad guys. Uh, so I, I didn't mind it at all, but, you know, as I was watching, I did find myself thinking, you know, with all of this going on with Gamby lying in the next room, possibly dying with, you know, the metas out there with your dad and everything like that. It did seem uh, a strange time to have that, you know, discussion of, you know, contemporary politics but whereas i would have felt it was really out of place in any other arrowverse show it didn't really bother me in the context of black lightning well let's talk about this a little bit uh, more because uh just to rewind because now I, I, we're going to talk about tobias a little bit uh tobias sets a plan basically because uh cape guy was shot by the police we saw in the previous episode and uh, apparently, you know, the, the police were, you know, slap on the wrist, uh, they won't get jail time, that kind of thing. And so Tobias decides to use the public's anger in creating sort of like a riot type of situation where uh, he'll end up getting Black Lightning once and for all it's this whole plan with his um the meta humans that he's got the masters of disaster which is a real thing from the comics y'all and uh he's going to use them they're going to turn off the power they, so that black lightning's sort of dejuiced, and uh, they're going to finally get black lightning once and for all or i should say tobias is finally going to get him uh there is there are a couple, I should say, throughout the episode. This is something that I keep on bringing up. Tobias and the damn painting. He's having full-fledged conversations. He's playing chess with the painting. The painting is of his sister, Tori, with the, the inappropriate amount of cleavage showing uh, for his sister. Uh, and he keeps on talking to it. He keeps on talking to it. He keeps on talking to it. Full-fledged conversations. This was the first time that I think I saw Cutter kind of disturbed by it she gave him like a look when she initially walked in on him 
And um, as she left that first time, she like gave him kind of a look as well about it. Uh, I feel like it means something. Uh, maybe we'll never know now, uh, but uh, I still feel like it, it meant something maybe. Uh, and then uh, what was interesting about his sequence with Cutter as well is their relationship ends in this episode because at one point, uh, oh they, yes, yes, things start going uh, haywire for Tobias's plan, and so he decides to basically release all of those um, underground metas that he had acquired. And Kato's basically like, what are you doing? Like, think about your plan. Think about all the money that you're going to make. Think about this, that, or the other. Like, this is a very rash decision. And Tobias is basically like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm not listening to you. He chokes her. She does the most awesome backflip type of thing to, like, get out of the chokehold. She pulls out one of her cutter knives to cut him. Cutter was ready to cut, and and he's basically like, so you're going to cut me? And then she's like, no, but I'm done with this, and she leaves. And I love <laughs> Tobias with all of his brother. I could have ten of you tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, really? You know, ten cutters? I doubt it. So Cutter I and Tobias. Brandon said it best on Twitter when he was like, Tobias put his pin pan down and almost got it cut off. Basically. So Cutter and Tobias are over. Uh, the the most amazing uh, uh, usage of of the song "Look of Love" in that sequence. Like, the music was fantastic. I mean, period on Black Lightning, but it was amazing in this episode, in the previous episode. It was just top notch. And uh, so we've got the Cutter situation. We've got the Tory painting situation. Dimitri, t- talk to me about this. What did you think of Cutter leaving and everything that led up to it? And uh, I know. We're going to get into what happens later on, so we might not ever get the answer to this. But what is going on with Tobias and the painting? This might uh, be the last time that I can ask, maybe. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if we'll ever get into it. I think it's just a idiosyncrasy on his part. But um, I feel like, you know, for deeper sort of hallucinations and stuff, the the camera has typically shown us it from both sides, like with Lala. We see all his demons haunting him, whereas with this, we only ever see a painting. So I feel like there's not like a deeper insanity there. It's more just for some reason he likes talking to that slightly strange painting. Um, (laughs) You have one of those paintings, right? um, Excuse me. My painting is entirely appropriate. Um, And yeah, no. But in any case, um, I did feel like he was starting to lose it. Obviously, um, releasing the metas did not go as he planned. And then um, the idea of choking Cutter. Um, one thing that I noticed is for the duration of his quote-unquote relationship with Cutter, he's refrained from being as anti-black. He's uh, sort of stopped using, you know, very, very savage um uh, lines just complaining about the black community that he has pretty much through the rest of this season and season one. And I was wondering if Cutter was really starting to to influence him in that department and how much of a hold she has over him. And I guess uh, nobody has too much of a hold over Tobias as we saw the moment she disagreed with him. Honestly, I lost a little bit of respect for her for not cutting his ass because I was like, you cut people for money. 
but you won't cut the guy who was about to choke you. And this is a guy with super strength, so he could have snapped her neck in a second. Um, I don't I don't know if that was the best move. I, I really don't. She's like, no, I'm not going to stab you, but I'm leaving you. I was just like, really? I mean, if there's the time to stab, this is the time to stab. But that's just me. I guess it would have been too easy a resolution to the series. So, uh, so yeah, although I, I'm guessing, you know, to, to give us the Black Lightning showdown, Cutter would have lost, but I would have loved to see a Cutter Tobias showdown. Maybe that's just me. But be that as it may, um, yeah, it seemed it seemed odd, but it did sort of clarify because this whole time I was like, does Cutter have more of a hold on Tobias than we see, or does Tobias still sort of is he still really his own man? And I guess this brought us a very definitive conclusion to that question. Oh yes, 100%. And if you really think about it, she was the one that was always more affectionate to him than he was to her. So maybe he really wasn't that into it. Maybe. Maybe. Professor, any other thoughts on Cutter? Since uh, this this could be potentially one of the last times that we see her, uh, if she doesn't return. Uh I liked her exit. I liked the fact that, you know, uh, even though Tobias, you know, grabbed her, she was able to break free. Um, you know, uh, she probably knew that, you know, in, you know, a knife fight with him, you know, uh, it, it, her outcome was uh, was less likely. So just the, the just saying, you know, I'm walking away, I'm done with you was, you know, I thought a very effective way. And I thought, you know, Tobias basically, you know, shouting out afterwards, you know, sort of showed that, you know, uh, she may not have used a knife, but she did wound him because he you know, mm. reacted with that, you know, standard male. I could get 10 of you. You're nothing uh, sort of reaction. Just getting back to, you know, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, Tobias in the portrait. And as you say, this may be our last chance to discuss it. Um, it. It could simply be, you know, when people lose a loved one, you know, you'll often find people in a graveyard talking to the graves of the people they've lost and, uh, and, and having that sense of, you know, now it does. And, and they often say that it seems like they're talking back to them. So it may be as simple as that, but I would remind you that, uh, you know, uh, there were other tanks in that, uh, that laboratory where the, uh, the crazy doctor was uh, bringing people back from the dead. So there is that. All right. Stay tuned for season three. Maybe uh, Tori comes back for vengeance. Um, I guess. Yeah, you never know. So, let's see. Where can we go next? Or where should we go next? Like, I feel like I should just pull a name out of a hat because we could go to the Masters of Disaster. We could go talk about Latavius. But you know what? Let's talk about our homegirl. Let's talk about Dr. Jace. Good grief. So, we pick up with Dr. Jace. So Bitch! I know. Uh, we have Black Lightning sort of stunned that all of the pod kids are, are there. And so he calls up Lynn, gives her the coordinates, and she's on her way. And there's Dr. Jace with a gun, ready to shoot, ready to murk Black Lightning. But... Bam! In comes Super Lynn. She doesn't have her shotgun. She's got her iron fists and starts wailing on Dr. Jace, knocks her to the ground, beats her face to, you know, the blood starts popping out, uh, slams her head onto the concrete floor. Spectacular. And Dr. Jace is basically like, I have information for you. I have information. I will give you all the information you need. 
I will give it all to you. I just, I do not want to go to the ASA because Odell is going to be mad that I double-crossed him and I was working with Tobias. You know, give me the justice system. You know, give me the police. I know you know somebody because there isn't a Black Lightning Task Force. You know somebody. You've got strings. And so she gives them information. She gets hauled away by... Uh, Henderson, when they get to the police station, that's when the power starts flickering and then it goes out. She's taken to her cell. And then, boom, a dangling story point from it feels like 511 episodes ago. The teleportation man shows up, starts killing police officers. Fortunately, Henderson is not uh, there, but he makes it to... Uh, Jace's cell, and she's impressed by his teleportation skills that he can uh, teleport within the line of sight. And he's like, you know, I have to take you to Markovia. The Markovians are looking for you. And she realizes that he's a bounty hunter, and she's like, I'll pay you double, triple. And he's like, I don't renegotiate. And so, boom, teleportation happens. Helga Jace has been teleported to. Uh, not Markovia, but at least to somewhere where the Markovians can collect her. So, uh, without really going into uh, speculation of what could happen next, because we still have to get to the cliffhanger ending, which uh, sort of sets all that up, let's talk about just Jace in this episode, as well as the return of our teleporting friend. We got Nightcrawler back in this episode. Professor X, what did you think of uh, the Lynn-Jace showdown and uh what did you think of just jace's storyline throughout this episode well i love the scene with uh lynn and jace uh you know uh uh you know uh it wasn't sad lynn uh which is not my favorite but it was madeline and wow it was just great to see lynn unload um uh you know uh beating her you know pounding her head against the floor and i thought to myself well this is why lynn keeps her hair so short because if she's ever in this situation no one else can grab her hair <laughs> um so i liked that i liked the again that jace is just showing that you know when you are that sort of smart person in that situation you know explaining well there's no black lightning task force which is why how which is why i know you've got someone on the inside which of course is correct she is smart um and you know that's what makes her dangerous I like the reintroduction of uh, of the teleporting guy. Uh, you know, when they put him in the uh, the previous on Black Lightning uh, at the beginning of the show, I thought, oh yeah, let's find out what the deal with him is. Did not see the idea that he was a bounty hunter working for the Markovians. Um, I am a little bothered by the fact that if he is a line of sight teleporter, where did they go when they teleported out? Because there was nowhere there for them to go that was in line of sight except that is in true. that room. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, it is interesting. And again, it, it was a way of sort of subtly setting up, you know, earlier in the episode, the idea of the Markovians are out there. So I think that was a, a very good way of setting the, uh, you know, uh, just preparing us in a way for what was going to happen later with Odell at the end of the episode. So yeah, overall, I liked everything they did with Jace. I'm, I'm glad he didn't just kill her. I thought it would have been a waste uh, of an interesting villain, uh, you know, not, you know, top tier level villain, uh, but a good foil for Lynn and someone who, by being that foil, really brought out the best of Lynn. I think uh, Lynn was much more enjoyable in this season uh, when she was going uh, head to head with Jace, when you saw, you know, the fire and the anger and the passion, uh, rather than just the uh, the sadness of Lynn, the mother, worrying about her kids. 
so I really like that. I love the uh, the whole scene, uh, everything they did with Lynn, um, and uh, and and our payoff with Jace, uh, apparently getting you know uh, some comeuppance at the hands of the Markovians. Oh yes, Dimitri. Anything to add as far as Doctor Jace? And some comeuppance at the hands of Lynn. That was awesome. Oh my God, Christine Adams has never looked more beautiful. When she said "bitch" right after pounding the shit out of her, yo, I was I was not expecting that at all. I did not think we would ever see a scene where Lynn straddles and beats the crap out of somebody. I always thought that was the duty exclusively reserved for the other three members of the Pierce family, but the matriarch did us proud. I I hope somebody made a gif of that. I'm gonna use that for all eternity. Oh yeah. Another another nice thing about that scene was uh, Jefferson in the background. Um, you know, sort of uh, Lynn. Uh, you know, he's. You know, I think he's totally taken aback by seeing this side of Lynn as well. And uh, you know, he can't. You know, he's trying to still preserve her. You know, secret. You know, his relationship to her, and she's calling him Black Lightning and everything like that. But he's got a couple of lines in there where he's. You know, on the one hand, you know, he should step in and stop this. On the other hand, she's doing pretty well. I think. I oh, think. Yes. I love at the end where like. Jace is just like bleeding and battered and like head on the floor and he's just like timidly like uh, I think you got her. Yeah, that was that was perfect. Yeah, that, that, was, that was fantastic. Although a tight little hiccup, a teeny tiny I should say little hiccup. They left the gun on the floor. Like no one took the gun. Like Jace had a gun. That was like the whole point of like the fight and uh, and they left the gun on the floor. Well, maybe Lynn was hoping that Jace would go for it, and then she'd jump her and start pounding her again, so. Well, that's true. It does give her a reason to get back in the action. Good grief. Spectacular fight sequence. Spectacular. Okay, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the Masters of Disaster. We got to know a little bit more about them in the previous episode. They are an actual thing. In uh, the comics, I believe it's it's in the Outsiders comic series, I think. I'm not that comic book knowledgeable, but uh, I, I feel like I read that online. Uh, so we saw a little bit more of them in action. We had one of them kind of freeze the, the generator at the power plant, and that's why the, um, the entire city went dark. And, uh, and we also saw them mix it up with Black Lightning and... Uh, Thunder, Black Lightning uh, was having a little bit of a problem with his powers because uh, he, I guess, siphons some of the energy or or um, his suit uh, gets powered up by, by the power of uh, the power plant and that kind of thing. And so at one point it looked like, uh, what was it, um, Black Lightning was going to freeze to death and Thunder was going to drown in a little uh, bubble that was created. But then the power comes back. Uh, we had a surprise assist by Lala. We'll get into Lala in a moment. But uh, focusing sort of on the, the, the masters of disaster. They, they do end up uh, getting thwarted. One of them gets shot and the other three sort of get knocked out. We really don't know what happened to them. Uh, just throw them in pods, I guess. Uh, Dimitri, talk to me about the Masters of Disaster. What did you think of them? Obviously, they weren't big bads. They were kind of uh, maybe the mini-boss of, uh, or the mini-bosses of this episode. What did you think of them? Um, They they honestly felt like a, you know, on-the-way villain, kind of like 
Jaws, if you watch the old Bond movies or, you know, any henchman, really. Um, I wasn't too, you know, too taken with them overall. Uh, you know, they made for, obviously, an interesting mid-episode uh, mid battle. The thing that pressed me the most was how long it took Jefferson to save Thunder after uh, after Lala basically saves him, which was a bit of a shocker because he's sort of running out of juice and has kind of a close call there. But then Lala shoots the guy, and Lala... This is another... Lala was mostly comic relief this episode. Yeah, that, that line. He, yeah, he's just like, oh, yeah, your partner's about to die. And he just walks away. Uh, but then Jefferson takes like another good five minutes to save Thunder, who's getting her ass kicked in the meantime. So, come on, Jeff, tighten it up. Other than that, I mean, they weren't obviously, you know, very threatening. Uh, I think it's kind of clear to everybody that they were meant to be sort of on the way villains, and we were going to get a bigger showdown at the end of the episode. So, uh, yeah, I I don't follow the the comics, so I, I wasn't familiar with them. From there, I can't comment on there authenticity with regard to that i mean decent decent uh mid-episode battle i enjoyed the action scenes jefferson save your daughter fast the next time very true let's talk about lala so we're going to talk about lala's arc throughout the entire episode so uh right in the middle of the fight with the masters of disaster lala approaches uh black lightning shoots one of the masters of disaster and is basically like you know, we're cool, I, I get what you're doing with the city, like, you need to save it and whatnot, uh, we have no beef anymore, basically, and just know that, like, my mission in life now, my mantra is, kill Tobias Whale, and, uh, and then he, he, um, you know, leaves, <laughs> and he heads on to Tobias's lair and uh, this is after cutter has left tobias once again is chatting with the inappropriate painting and lala even comments about it, like you know you're that crazy you're talking paintings now and uh lala is basically like i'm gonna kill you he you know picks up his gun we have uh, tobias give his line i forget it's the devil uh, something or other and uh he thought that the mind control was gonna work it doesn't. Lala is able to push through and fight through it. And uh, Lala's like, I'm going to kill you. Shoots him. Uh, the bullets. Um, I didn't really understand what happened. Did he catch the bullet? Did the, did the bullet just sort of bounce off of him? Something like that happens. And and uh, Tobias makes reference to it. And uh, then he also explains something about Lazarus Prime is what brought him back. So, I don't know if that's something from the comics. Lazarus sounds like Lazarus Pit to me. Is Lazarus Prime a Lazarus Pit? One of you can explain that for me. But he was like, Lazarus Prime brought you back. You know, there was uh, all of this um, um, mind control and whatnot. And sure, you broke through one of them. But E Pluribus Unum is what he says. And bam, uh, Lala starts burning up. And what Tobias, I guess, activated was all of the people that he died, that he's getting tattooed on him, they're all coming out at once. And uh, I guess it's um, it's sort of like sensory overload for Lala, because he sort of collapses onto the ground. I don't know if he's dead, I don't know if he's alive, 
Um, yeah, but Tobias ends up saying, you know, the next time, uh, what did he say? Next time you wake up or, or the next place that you're going to be is in a cemetery, basically. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there Didn't is he that. say he was going to bury him in concrete so that when he wakes up, well, or something won't, like that. Won't be too helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what he said, because basically, you know, even if you, you know, do come back from it, you'll be encased in concrete, so. Oh, okay, there you go. That was the line. Which which I believe, I, I'm not sure about this, but I believe at some point someone threatened to do that to Wolverine also. So I guess it's a, it's a traditional comic book way of handling the immortal is just to make them part of a sidewalk. Well, there you go. So without going into what happens next, uh, Lala is still out there at the end of the season. I will just say that. So, uh, Professor... What did you think of the final couple of scenes with Lala in this episode? His sort of truce with Black Lightning, as well as his uh, his at least final confrontation in this episode with uh, Tobias. I, I like the truce, you know, establishing that he has gotten beyond the idea that you know Black Lightning is his enemy. Um, I, I like his confrontation with Tobias. Uh, you know, part of me though really wanted Lala to be the one to kill Tobias. You know, it would have been, you know, a nice little way, but it would have deprived us of, of the following scene. So that was bad. Uh, I actually, you know, I, I've come to like Lala so much that, you know, you know, uh, when the uh, the first code phrase didn't work uh, and he shook it off, I just felt so bad, you know, when the second phrase did work. Um, I did find it interesting that, you know, he was sort of shot. I don't know whether it's that, you know, he could have been wearing bulletproof, you know, uh, clothes or something like that. Because uh, when Lala, you know, threatened to shoot him between the eyes, that's when he used the second code. Um, but uh, yeah, and and I did feel that you know we didn't get any, you know, the episode was jam packed. We didn't have time for it. But I would have liked a little more resolution on what actually happened to Lala because we've seen him dealing with, uh, you know, uh, these tattoos uh, and and you know talking to them and and you know interacting with them. Um, so it really wasn't clear what was happening. You know, it seemed like his skin was hot, but obviously this isn't going to be the end of him because of, uh, of Tobias saying, you know, next time you wake up, it'll be, you know, encased in concrete. So, uh, you know, we could see Lala come back in what context, I don't know. Um, but, uh, it's interesting. I thought, you know, just my little thing was, I thought Lazarus Prime might've been referring to the crazy doctor. Oh, Okay. Maybe that could be his name. You never know. I, I actually had the same thought. I mean, I I can't imagine who would actually have the legal name Lazarus Prime. But if I had to picture someone who had that name, that, that match it, Doctor is a prime candidate. Yeah, he looks like a, a Lazarus, Lazarus prime, prime candidate. Oh, I see what you did there. I like it. But um, yes, the comedic stylings of Professor X. I like it. Uh, good grief. Um, all right, Dimitri, anything else to add uh, about Lala uh, before we move on? I really hope he isn't dead. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes uh, next season. It It's weird. Like, he's almost an ally. What would happen if Tobias is put away? What would he then do? Would he finally find rest? Or would he... I don't know. He's definitely an interesting character. I wonder if... You know, given everything that happened this episode, if there's a redemption arc in store for him, we'll, we'll see. He's obviously not uh, not a shining beacon of morality, but uh, I'm interested to see where they could go with this. Yeah, I like Will Catlett in the role, 
And I feel like since they introduced the fact that he now is the tattoo man, that he has like a bajillion tattoos, I'm going to assume, at the end of that process, that uh, it could lead to a really interesting, or a really interesting, a, uh, what am I trying to say? It could lead to a really interesting redemptive storyline for him, because he's going to have to deal with all of these people that he killed. That might be kind of interesting. I don't know if they would go that route. I don't know if they would deal with that for an episode. Maybe uh, during his journey. I mean, to they're already like chatting in his head. Like, well, yeah, they're they're having fights, like physical fights uh, with each other. But I, I wonder if they might use him like as an anti-hero, as uh, an ally on the streets, you know, for Black Lightning. Maybe uh, someone that's sort of like uh, like in the. Um, I don't know if he would go back to, like, the criminal world, but, like, he could be maybe Black Lightning's inside man. Uh, since, uh, without getting into what happens later on, I feel like Lala wasn't put into concrete, because that was just sort of, like, an idea that was put out there that, unfortunately, uh, might not have been put into effect before certain things happen. So Lala Unfortunately? Could... You team Tobias? What the fuck? No, I'm saying because of what happens later on, Lala's body is still there. So I feel like what he said isn't going to come to fruition. Like he isn't going to, he can't put him in concrete based off of what happens later on. So Lala's no. body's still there. So Lazarus Prime might be able to collect him and uh, and fix him up. Okay. So okay. that means that Lala could come back easier next time. He won't be in concrete. So uh, stay tuned when it comes to that. So let's see, where should we go next? Uh, well, let's continue on with the the main storyline bit, sort of like what was going on. Um, we have Gamby, who after all that ibuprofen is perfectly fine. He's ready to save Freeland, and uh, Thunder goes out to help her father. That's where she gets into the, the trouble with the, the Masters of Disaster, and Gamby decides to head to the power plant to get the power back up and running. And he basically tells Jennifer, you need to stay. But Jennifer's like, no, you know, I want to go. Come on, Uncle Gamby, I can do it. And uh, and he's like, no, you need to stay. Like, I need to go do this by myself. And, like, you'd be dumb if, if, if to come with me or something like that. <laughs> Jennifer says some line like, well, I guess I'm dumb or I guess I'm not smart or something. And I know Dimitri yelled and he was like, you right. <laughs> we know. Yes, and uh, and she was like, "Come on, I'm just gonna sneak out and wait. Like, let me help this out of the other." And he's like, "Well, can you control your emotions?" And they do a little pinky promise thing, and uh, they're off to uh, the power plant. And and they do make it there. She is able to control her powers enough to uh, zap it and then fix it and that kind of thing. And uh, they high five. And as they make their way back. Uh, they, they being um, Lynn and Jefferson, use the information that Dr. Jace gave them, and they're all able to track the briefcase, a.k.a. where Tobias is. And so uh, when uh, they find that out, Jennifer is like, I need to go and handle this. Uh, Gamby's like, no. And Jennifer's like, yes. And she's like, well, I have a new power. If I can float in my sleep, I can probably fly. And so in the middle of the road, when they're being very sort of like covert, 
she just bursts the doors open and she flies out, which was a very neat visual, but I wonder what the cars behind were thinking when they saw that. I'm just saying, like, if you're trying to be undercover, that's like the flashiest way to make an exit from a moving vehicle. I'm just saying. So, while all that's going on, like, as I mentioned before, Tobias opens the pods, and so the pod kids, like, all of them that were in that sewer location, break free. And this was, like, right as, like, Lynn was going to inject them with the serum to, I guess, stabilize them and whatnot. They break free, they're all disoriented, and uh, they're just walking about, and, like, nobody's even talking to them, because Lynn is, like, they're still sort of, like, maybe in, like, a slightly catatonic state, and if you excite them, their powers might manifest, and, and you know, it'll, it'll be chaos. So I, I should make a note of that before we pause. So before we get into the major confrontation with Tobias, let's talk about Gamby and uh, Jennifer in this episode, and uh, Dimitri, let, let's start off with you. What did you think of their interplay, and um, what did you think of Jennifer sort of period up to the point when she flies away? It was, it was interesting. It was super sweet at the beginning. You know, there was that really heartfelt moment where she was like, "Why would you get so close to me?" And he's like, "Because you're my family." And it's just like, I'm not, I'm not saying I cried, but like some sort of sodium water based solution did strangely manifest on my face your allergies but, flared up what's up your allergies flared up absolutely my allergies absolutely flared up but then given how much danger she put him in just at the start of the episode we're not even asking you to remember further back than 50 minutes then she you know opens the back of a car and is like I can probably fly and hops out of a car and I feel like the writers heard me when they were like, when I was like, oh, you know, we, we really are sick of, you know, Jennifer constantly doing stupid things. But uh, so they allowed her to do a stupid thing. But strangely, this time it worked out perfectly. The moment she rolled up on Tobias, I was like, she's going to get her ass beat. But then suddenly she goes all emperor from Star Wars and starts electrocuting him. And I was we'll like, we'll get to that in a moment. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Okay. 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 Dial it in, dial it in. Okay. So, uh, so Dimitri's done, because he's jumping ahead. Professor, anything else to add in regards to Jennifer and Gamby and their dynamic? Uh, no, I, I, I agree. I found it uh, touching. Uh, you know, uh, it reestablished, you know, the, uh, you know, because Gamby didn't really get uh, a scene where he was interacting, aside from over the comms, uh, with any other characters. Uh, or any other of, of the main characters at any rate. So, you know, this was, you know, their only real way to incorporate Gamby into into the end game. Um, I think it, it showed, you know, the depth of his feelings towards, uh, you know, Jeff's family and also the, the you know, the love that, uh, that they have towards him. The fact that he was willing to put himself at risk for her, um, you know, and, and also I think there's, a, you know, a, a sort of angle that, you know, you sometimes have between an uncle or an aunt when kids are having trouble with their parents. They can still have that relationship with the uncle or the aunt. And I think in this case, you know, uh, I've, I've said, you know, for the past few episodes, I'm not bothered as much by Jennifer doing stupid stuff because we've established that's who she is. That's her character. She's going to do the dumb thing. She's going to be the impetuous teenager. And we accept it because that's her character. What bugs me is, you know, the adults who keep, you know, Jefferson saying, OK, go with Gamby and stay there or uh, Thunder going out and saying you stay here and them expecting her to do it for Gamby to be the one 
who says, now you stay here. And she says, you know, I'm just going to follow you. And he says, okay, come along. Uh, I thought that felt, you know, uh, you know, uh, it gave a, a depth to their relationship uh, that uh, that I liked. Uh, and also it's just a little thing, you know, when Gamby's going in, you know, uh, when he's shooting the two guys uh, at the generator, he waits until they're taken care of before he lets Jennifer come up, almost like he didn't want her to see him doing that or he wanted to make sure it was safe before she came up. Um, I thought that was touching. Yes, it was dumb to have her, you know, go full Dark Phoenix and, and jump out of the back of a moving van, but it looked pretty cool. It was a nice visual. I will co-sign that. And uh, before we get into uh, this uh, major set piece, uh, I will put a little bookmark in a conversation that was had between Jennifer and Anissa earlier in the episode, because it could lead to maybe a storyline point uh, in the next season. And maybe this is where they can bring in Grace and her superpowers as well. It seems as if... uh, as if Anissa will still be doing her Robin Hood stuff. And uh, she was like, but I'm not going to go it alone. And Jennifer was like, I'll be there. Well, Blackbird, that's what they called her. So so there is that. So it looks like the sisters might be teaming up at at some point in the new season uh, uh, to uh, sort of continue on what Anissa was doing privately. Which might can be we, kind of interesting. Can we just address the fact that Gamby was basically out cold and then Jennifer was like, I could come with you. And Gamby started gasping almost as if he was struggling to regain consciousness just to tell Anissa what a bad idea that is. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's funny. So let's talk about this. So... Uh... Tobias has just, uh, I guess, taken out the tattoo man because we've got Lala on the floor, uh, collapsed, uh, overpowered by all the tattoos. And in comes Dark Phoenix, a.k.a. Lightning, as she called herself. Because <laughs> I love it, because Tobias is like, who the hell are you? You're like, Lightning. And she uh, lights him up it picks him up. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's still being Tobias, threatening everybody and their mothers, and uh, Jefferson, Black Lightning, arrives and tries to talk her down. He tries to use his powers to help her, but obviously she's uh, OP and is hurting him. And, uh, and and she's like, he's like, no, no, you can't do this. You can't go that dark path, this, that, or the other. Jennifer finally listens, um, and uh, she lets go. So Tobias falls, uh, he gets back up, they both use their powers on him, this, that, the other. Uh, during this whole thing, we have a moment where Jefferson, uh, talk about the feels. Uh, I mean, we had the flashbacks to Jefferson's father and, and, and the chat that he had with him last season, and uh, my emotions, my emotions. Uh, and um, Jefferson's like, this is my fight. And um, he ends up... Uh, going a little bit at it with Tobias, uh, ends up knocking him out, and uh, to continue on the Tobias story, Tobias uh, gets collected by um, uh, the police, the military, somebody, but he gets taken to a black ops prison called The Pit. He's got a collar around his neck, that basically controls, or um, not controls, but uh, turns off his metahuman powers. He is now powerless. He is in the pit. It's not on any map. It's nobody knows about it. No one can get out. 
and uh, it looks very futuristic. And let's just say Tobias, um, he's not too happy. So, uh, Professor, talk to me about this. This uh, fight sequence filled with a lot of VFX with Tobias and then his comeuppance. What did you think of it? You know, I like the fact that, uh, you know, uh, Jennifer started out, you know, going in there planning to avenge Khalil and uh, and get her revenge and kill Tobias. Uh, you know, Jeff stepped in to stop her, but ultimately Jeff was unable to stop her. It had to be Jennifer's decision not to do it. And and she was able to to grow up and mature to the point where she would make that decision. I did, and obviously they couldn't do this because we know where they're going now in season three, but I thought it would be a really interesting storytelling choice for Jennifer to kill Tobias and then have the family have to deal with the consequences of that uh, uh, next season. I think that would have been you know, really interesting, but pretty dark. Uh, instead, having her you know, step down, I love the scene where the two of them zap Tobias together, and that's, then, yes, as you say, Jeff you know, getting his uh, his revenge uh, and, and Tobias getting his comeuppance uh, was great. And also, you know, it allowed Jeff to, you know, fight side by side with each of his daughters. We didn't get the full family team up. I'm hoping we're building to that uh, next season. But we got to see Jeff fighting side by side with both of his daughters in the same episode, which was kind of nice. Uh, and then, you know, th this pit, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm sure, uh, A, we haven't seen the last of Tobias and B, that we haven't seen the last of the pit. The fact that they have a facility like that probably indicates there's a lot more people out there like Tobias or, you know, metas, dangerous metas. And having someone uh, like Tobias in there, I'm sure, will not be good uh, for the pit. So um, he got his comeuppance. Uh, I'm glad they didn't kill him. I, you know, I, not because I, I liked, you know, I, I liked, you know, uh, the portrayal of him. I like him as a bad guy. And I just find him, you know, he's he's got this tremendous bad guy charisma going for him. Uh, so uh, I'm glad that, you know, they didn't kill him. But I'm glad that, uh, A, Jen was able to uh, to tamp down her desire for revenge, and Jeff was able to get his measure of revenge and do it on his terms. He didn't kill Tobias, but he did bring him into justice and uh, and theoretically neutralize him for the future. So I thought it was a pretty satisfying uh, ending uh, all around. Dimitri, did they go ahead? Did they ever? The thing that bothered me about the ending, and it's the only thing, it's minor, is did they ever address that? You know they they got any evidence on Tobias or that the um that Odell's group was the AAA knew that he was a meta like it seems strange they went straight from Tobias gets knocked out to Tobias gets brought to the secret secret prison yeah my feeling is the secret prison's probably run by the ASA ASA yeah was that, that would be my out. feeling but and, did the ASA, uh, did they ever, like, cover whether or not the ASA knows that Tobias is a meta? I would assume so, since, I mean, he stole their stuff, and he was, uh, he was true, working with Proctor true. in the last season, right? Yeah, well, or but at least he invaded. But that to be a rogue op, right? Well, it was still part of the ASA. I wouldn't be surprised if they still collect data, and, and they somehow, uh, you know, even if it was a rogue op, that, uh, the, the main... Uh, portion of the ASA uh, didn't somehow get their hands on any information that was collected by them. So, uh, yeah. It, it wouldn't surprise me if they knew. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, his, uh, his scowl at the end of the episode kind of makes makes everybody's day. He just looks so unhappy to be there. Um, and I agree with the professor. I, I think, you know, I'm glad they didn't kill him. 
I I do I am also glad that he's sort of at least out of the way for now. He's such a phenomenal antagonist, but I I do think that you know, if it was still Black Lightning versus Tobias in season three, it'd be like, well, can't you do anything? Like, it, it would just kind of get old. So I, I think this was the appropriate point to take him out. I don't I have a strong feeling he'll be back, but uh, but I, I do like that they at least resolve this feud for now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think it is appropriate based off of uh, where things ended in this episode so that we can focus on that, and then maybe at the tail end of next season, or at some point, uh, Tobias breaks free, probably with some new friends. Maybe. Stay tuned. So The PhDs of disaster. The PhDs of disaster. I like it. Well, you know, you have to step it up from the Masters. I mean... Why not? So, okay. I guess we're ready to talk about the end. Although, I should make a note. And I don't know if anybody was surprised, because I feel like we talked about him like he had died when that episode aired. But the Reverend is alive. Oh my god. Did they ever address that he's not dead? They did. No, they just had was Well, they did in this episode. that surprised the hell out of me. Because I thought wow. he had died, too. And so I was surprised. But he's like, obviously he's been affected. And I was like, because he was talking about it was a miracle how I, how I came back. Because I was near death in the beginning. And then I was like, were you, did you meet Lazarus Pitt? Uh, not Lazarus Pitt, what's his name? Lazarus uh, Prime? Prime. Did, Lazarus you meet Prime. La- did you meet Lazarus Prime? Because he looked affected. and well, it, But he never killed anybody, so he's Gucci, like... He's he's fine. No tattoos on him. Yes, no tattoos for him. But it was I was very confused. But it looks like he was just in a coma, and uh, he he broke free from the coma basically. And he you know by some All sort he of lost was miracle. his facial hair. All his facial hair. Yeah, that was it. Was interesting. Um, and like many people, the mm-hmm. Reverend doesn't, or like many older people of his generation, I should say, the the Reverend doesn't seem to understand podcasts. As he's uh, you know broadcasting it over the radio uh, and saying they're broadcasting by radio podcasts. So what you're going to record this, upload it to an RSS feed, and when everyone gets back from rioting, they can listen to it. Well, I, I would assume they might have the app. Maybe it's on iTunes. No, maybe he's. No, that's not a live stream. If you no, it would not be like... broadcasting by radio. No, but... live streaming. We're on Facebook Live. Like and friend us below. Yes. No. What I'm thinking. Oh, good grief. What I'm thinking is that he's recording also the audio, and he will podcast it later. He will upload it. Maybe. Well, let's be real. He will not be uploading it. Like one of you know the younger people in the congregation that you know volunteers at the church will be doing that. Like will drop off money, and it will be like, wait, before you go, can you help me upload this? Yes. Can you help me upload my podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Play? Uh, tune in and all that kind of stuff. Uh, hilarious. Uh, so yeah, so Reverend, you are live. Uh, I really liked his kind of. Uh, well, it was like a sermon, but it was it almost served as narration. Uh, throughout the episode as well as the riot was going on and or the riots were going on i, I like which has he been his missed. function throughout the show so i am really glad to have him back because he both sets a tone and function sort of as a narrator in that regard exactly which was uh very much missed and during... also reintroducing that element that's that's been such a big part of black lightning you know the idea of faith you know they didn't get into it too much in this episode 
but it did sort of, you know, subtly reinforce that element of the importance of faith in the community. Um, uh, that, uh, you know, has been something that they've dealt a lot with in the past. And I thought it was a good idea to, you know, reintroduce it here and also, you know, remind us, hey, apparently uh, the Reverend's going to be back next season as well. So that'll be great. Exactly. So as we start wrapping things up in regards to the episode, as the episode starts coming to a close, we see a lot of stuff. And then we get some interesting information. So apparently they were able to collect some of those... uh, catatonic sticked pod people uh, but they did not get all of them because some of them are still out and about probably scared by their powers and what people will say to them or how they will react and that kind of thing so some have been collected some are still out and about we see agent odell at the asa facility and he checks on a few of his personal pod people Number one, Isa. Number two, Wendy Wendy. And I can't even believe I'm saying this. Number oh three my God. is Captain Dreadlocks. And he's not even here to enjoy his joke. Oh, Rohan. It is freaking Khalil. But the dreads are gone. The, the dreads were the not dreads part are gone. of the resurrection. It is Khalil. Khalil is there. All right, y'all. Um, so we continue on. We have our family together. It might not be pizza, but there's a delicious cobbler. We have Jennifer finally giving Lynn a compliment and Lynn not being able to really receive it because she's kind of shook that her, her, um, kind of slightly annoying daughter is giving her a compliment. There's a funny little joke about Jefferson's peach cobbler recipe versus Lynn's. Apparently Jefferson Jefferson's is very bready. It it, uh, lacks the peachage that it should have. And that kind of brings Jefferson to an emotional moment, not because of the recipe, but because he can finally breathe a sigh of relief. They're all together. He worries so much, and I guess he feels that with Tobias out of the picture, um, he can finally breathe, and everything I is good. I love how the daughters mm-hmm. momentarily thought it was the cobbler, though. They're like, Dad, Dad, we're just playing. And then he's like, no, no, I'm happy. Like, I'm happy I can finally not worry. Yes. Well, that is until, well, a jam starts playing on the radio. Everybody's ready to dance. And then the worry starts because Agent Odell walks into the living room and he's basically like, you know, let's cut the formalities. I know who you are. I know what you do. And I need to give you a warning. And Jefferson is basically like, you need to get your ass up about my house. And, and Odell is like, no, you're going to listen to me. Uh, the Markovians have the largest arsenal of metahumans in their own pods. And the Markovians view Freeland as a threat because of the population of metahumans here based off of the vaccine and green light, etc., etc. There is going to be a war. And I am enlisting you, Black Lightning, you, Thunder, And I think this was the first time ever Agent Odell cracked a smile when he was like, and you, young lady, whatever your name is going to be, you all are going to be fighting this war because Freeland is going to be ground zero. Brim, brim, brim. 
what the hell does this mean? Is Agent Odell a good guy? Is he still a bad guy? Are they working with the bad guys now? Obviously, the Markovians are a bad guy, so is, is the enemy of the enemy my enemy? Or, you know, the enemy of my enemy my friend? What is going on? Khalil is apparently alive. No wonder we haven't seen Issa, uh, because Issa is in a pod. Wendy Wendy is in a pod. There are many more pod people that are out and about, some that have been captured, some that are uh, in the streets of Freeland. Talk to me about it. So, uh, I don't know, who wants to go first? Whomever jumps in can can start talking about this. What did you think of the ending of the episode and uh, the Agent Odell reveal? I think it does give us uh, a better sense of, you know, Odell's motivations throughout this because if his argument is that a war is coming, you know, it makes sense that he's been trying to train soldiers and amass as many soldiers on his side as possible. So I think it does cast what he's done in a slightly different light. Um, you know, am I saying he's a full good guy? I wouldn't go that far, but he's probably not, you know, uh, you know, the, the evil villain, uh, that we might've thought. And I think they've, they've taken care not to play him exclusively as a bad guy. Um, I think there was a, a scene earlier in the episode where, uh, you know, they're uh, oh, trying to revive the uh, uh, the green light babies. And Lynn says, no, I have to do this. And Odell basically backs her up on it. Um, and uh, I think if you look back at him, uh, you know, he he's done a lot of, you know, bad things. You know, uh, there was the, you know, uh, scene a couple of episodes ago where he shot everyone in the room to make sure they couldn't reveal uh, you know, Black Lightning's identity. But then again, in a way, that's protecting Black Lightning's identity. And wouldn't Gamby have done the same thing? Um, so I think that's interesting. I'm really happy that uh, that Khalil's coming back. Now, in what form? Uh, with what memories? What will this do to Jennifer? Uh, I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, I, As I said, you know, I was uh, a big Khalil fan uh, towards the end. I thought he redeemed himself. So I'll be curious to see what happens with him coming back. And uh, with the introduction of the Markovians, uh, they basically, you know, here's what season three is going to be. It's, you know, is it going to be, you know, strictly a meta of the week situation or multiple metas? Um, it does seem weird that the nation of Markovia would declare war on one small city in the United States. But hey, uh, you know, I don't write for TV shows. But no, I, I did like the reveal. Uh, I liked the way that uh, Odell did it. And, and like you, I love that little line to Jennifer and you young lady, whatever you're going to call yourself. Uh, I thought that was a really, really nice touch. And it, they just seem to be setting up for the classic, you know, family gets together. Jefferson has the moment, put the music on. We're going to dance. It's going to be the end of it. And then, boom, nope, Odell's just standing there. Hello. Oh, I really liked how they did the reveal of that. Yes. Who knew Agent Odell could smile? Dimitri, what about you? What's your take on uh, the final few moments of uh, the episode? And were you excited that Khalil is back? I am excited that Khalil is back. I I have so many questions about what that means for the next season, but I think it opens a lot of interesting possibilities. Although it does kind of detract from basically like very few people die on this show. Um, it looks like we're getting into sort of comic book death or uh, or uh, death of the lances for those of you who watch Arrow. Um, and then, you know, eventually you get to a point where... Uh, you know, you just don't take death as seriously, which is something that hasn't been the case on this show thus far. But uh, I am interested to see uh, what uh, what Khalil's uh, continued existence means for Jen and what it means for the family as a whole. 
what it means for him, what sort of state he'll be returning in. I'm not as excited about the Markovians as maybe next season's Big Bad. I kind of really like the uh, the dynamic that has existed the past two seasons, whereas the majority of issues are within the community. Um, this is within Freeland, mainly within Freeland's black community, um, and a lot of the uh, social issues that plague the way black people are treated in America manifest in how both sides have to approach this struggle. Um, and with a foreign nation invading like this this uh, city that's sort of just on its own, I, I don't know how they'll be able to address the same types of issues that Black Lightning addresses um, in the same way. But, you know, the writing team has not let us down thus far. So uh, I am excited for next season regardless. And we'll see how that manifests. Um, the one, the one thing I kept thinking was, man, Jeff Jefferson, like, couldn't even get a meal. He was just like, I don't have to worry anymore. And then immediately Odell shows up and I was like, this poor dude, man, he can't catch a break. But, uh, I do think, um, I do think Odell will sort of shape up to be like an, an ambiguous ally, um, that we've seen on, um, on certain other shows, um, like uh, if if anyone watches Sensate, someone like Jonas, where uh, you're really uh, you're not sure if he's fully in your corner or secretly in another corner, but you know, sort of forced to work with him to some degree, and I think that could make for some interesting dynamics there. Um, and I'll be interested to see what Lin's relationship with the ASA is now whether she'll have uh, prior access to Khalil before genders and what that could mean for their relationship. A lot of interesting possibilities coming into season three. Totally. So before we get into any other predictions for season three, I do want to say I'm very happy that Khalil is back. I was a big time Khalil fan and I am also interested to see in what state of mind he's going to be in. Will he remember everything? Is this a clone? I don't know if, if, uh... If, if we're going to start getting clones and stuff on Black Lightning, but uh, that might be kind of interesting. Uh, I do hope that it's not a clone, and I hope that it is our Khalil. Uh, I don't think we're going to be getting into other Earths and that kind of stuff, so I feel like this is just our Khalil healed. Um, I, I do agree that it kind of takes away from his powerful death and, and how it affected Jennifer, uh, these episodes, and, and that kind of thing, and how it affected the family. So um, it, it cheapens it a, a tiny bit, but I'm really happy to see the character back, so I can kind of uh, slightly be okay with it uh, because of that. Uh, Lady Eve is still dead, and uh, um, Inappropriate Tori is still dead. So uh, so dead is dead for some characters. Lawand is dead, Will is dead, Haunting, Tattoo Man... But some characters do seem to be popping up again. So I'm, I'm kind of cool with it as long as some of the deaths stick. Even though I really do want to see Lady Eve again. And uh, I don't know. I, I hope that she's in one of those vats uh, getting Lazarus primed for us. Getting some Lazarus primer. Um, so the, the ending, Agent Odell, everything was fantastic. I am really pumped for the next season. So let's talk about next season. Season 3 of Black Lightning. Where do you think this will go do you think this war will be a major part of the season do you think it's going to be kind of like the book of uh, 
war or something, you know, a small arc. What I hope, at least, is that the war and the preparation for the war is kind of in the background throughout the season. And uh, much like in this season, there are little pods of episodes that deal with some of the smaller issues that affect Freeland or that's affecting the family. And then maybe either for the mid-season finale or for the season finale, they do like a two-parter like they did um, this season that maybe focuses solely on the war. So we see them kind of prepping, maybe even training, maybe even integrating a little bit with the ASA and then using their resources and that kind of stuff throughout the season. And then we finally get, you know, either in the mid-season or at the season finale, an actual all-out war so that um, it isn't always in the forefront, it isn't really dragged out, and um, it's sort of uh, handled in in a... um, in a two-part type of way versus uh, it being sort of the sole focus. And then much like what Dimitri was saying, you know, it takes away from uh, the focus of Freeland and the community and that kind of thing. At least that's my hope. And I look forward to more villains, uh, uh, more heroes, maybe, uh, you know, a a certain shocky type of uh, hero will appear from those pod kids people say, uh, i can't hear you jeff there's too much static i know people are really looking forward to him and maybe he's out there somewhere uh stay tuned uh listeners um dimitri i know that you went into it a little bit was there anything else that you would like to see in season three um um justice oh that for thunder grace yes of course we expect to see a lot more of Chantal Twee in the next season. We expect them to finally get the, the payoff that we've been waiting for. And we expect to see her have dinner with the Pierces, which we have been denied this season. And we will not forget. Yes. Maybe uh, like five boxes of pizza and uh, Lynn's Peach Cobbler. Definitely Lynn's Peach Cobbler. It would be hilarious if they introduced Static Shock and there was just a running gag like there are in the comics where people keep mistaking the two. There you go. Professor X, any predictions for season three? Well, my hope is, you know, uh, echoing Dimitri, uh, you know, I want a resolution to Thunder Grace. I want uh, Anissa and Grace together. Uh, obviously, they're not going to make it easy for them, but uh, I do want, you know, some resolution to what's going on with Grace and for them to find a way past it. Um, uh, you know, whether that means, you know, Grace becomes a hero with them or is just off doing her own thing. I don't care. I just, you know, want those two together. Um, as far as predictions go, um, Black Lightning has always existed slightly outside of the Arrowverse. Um, with Crisis coming, uh, to the other Arrowverse shows, um, I do wonder whether, you know, if the, the classic resolution of Crisis on Infinite Earths was collapsing all the Earths down to one, will that mean that, you know, Black Lightning will no longer be outside of the established Earths? Will Freeland be on Earth one? Um, I don't know if they'll do that. I think they like having Black Lightning standing alone. But if they are moving Black Lightning to a situation where, you know, one of the things about Black Lightning that I've always liked is, you know, as Dimitri was saying, it's it's very much grounded in the... Uh, uh, you know, the, the urban reality of, uh, of American life. Uh, and usually, you know, uh, Jefferson is just going up against guys with guns and stuff like that. And, you know, he's obviously, you know, more powered than them. 
um, you know, introducing metas, you know, will sort of force Jefferson to up his game going up against people who, you know, are more powerful than he's used to facing. I think that'll be a challenge for him uh, as well as for uh, for Jennifer and Anissa. Um, it does run the risk, though, of if if they do too much of that, if they start lapsing into meta of the week, uh, then it does sort of just become like all the other Arrowverse shows, which, you know, do tend to be meta of the week or, or threat of the week and, and, and stuff like that. And, and I wouldn't want it to do that. What I love about Black Lightning is that it does have that unique feel to it. So my hope is, you know, uh, my other hope in addition to Thunder Grace is I would like Black Lightning to stay on its own earth, to not have to be forced uncomfortably into the rest of the Arrowverse. Um, now that said, if they did go into the Arrowverse, I think, you know, they could, uh, they, they would be a great addition to it, but I just like the fact that, you know, Black Lightning is doing its own thing. It's not affected by the decisions made in the other shows because those shows are, you know, often pretty tightly linked together. What happens on one show affects another show. I like that Black Lightning is able to do its own thing in a much more contemporary, real America that we can all recognize. Uh, and, uh, so I, I hope they don't. Uh, get wrapped in uh, through crisis. Okay. I don't know how to respond to that because I'm very torn about whether they should be a part of the Arrowverse or not. And I feel like because the showrunner is different, the writers are different, the, the actual filming location, it would be difficult to do crossovers and that kind of stuff. But uh, because of all of that, I feel like it could still keep its own particular tone that it has created since episode one of season one. So I, I don't think it would lose any of that if it does get folded into the larger Arrowverse. I mean, Markovia is a thing on Arrow that was referenced, uh, you know, it always kind of gets referenced on Arrow whenever they want some sort of, like, shady European country. Uh, so so that has already been used, and they're using that here now. I kind of wonder if they do Crisis, like, would the Markovian threat disappear, or will they handle it sooner rather than later, uh, as opposed to uh, w what they might have wanted to have done, just because um, after Crisis... Would the Markovians still be a threat to them? Would the Markovians become sort of like a threat to the greater Arrowverse? I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what I want. Um, I do think it is a little weird that this is, you know, the predominantly POC show in the extended Arrowverse, and it's the only one that isn't a part of the greater Arrowverse. So I feel like that's kind of... Um, almost like a like a sore spot for me at least because it, it feels weird but it is the showrunner uh that has actually said you know we're kind of our own thing so it is the show specifically saying that they don't want to be a part of the larger Arrowverse. but i wonder if at some point um you know the cw president will call up mr akil and be like you know what the crisis is coming up and we kind of want you to be involved it'd be great to see black lightning and thunder and lightning you know mixing it up with the flash and batwoman and supergirl etc etc um i don't know stay tuned i guess when it comes to that uh, uh dimitri any thoughts about black lightning and the arrowverse D do you want it to be a part of it or do you think it should just be its own thing well um I honestly don't want them to cross over. I think Black Lightning is a different show, and I think it, 
you know, if uh, if especially if someone like uh, like Barry um, came to Freeland, you know that they'd uh, they'd be much stronger. But it would sort of uh, reflect badly on um, on or Supergirl on all the other heroes if they were to sort of come to Freeland, see all the um, injustices that are at play there, and then be like. Well, going back to Central City now, like it just it wouldn't be a good look. I kind of like the idea of, you know, Black Lightning sort of is on his own to to fend for the for the uh, community and uh, and partially the 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 larger social injustices are why he's on his own. Um, if there were if there were other sort of superheroes in the mix, like I feel like they would be morally bound to uh, to assist um not just in uh in you know whatever big bad that black lightning has on his radar but in the disenfranchisement of freeland as a whole and i don't know how that could be done without it being like a white savior kind of thing you know that's actually what i was thinking and yeah and depending on how it's written that could be a really interesting storyline you know having one of uh obviously the white superheroes from some of the other shows trying to help but them having an actual discussion about like the white savior and who knows i i feel like the black lightning writers could actually make it work to where like the other heroes might actually get some character growth and, and development and understanding of 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 that type of stuff which could lead to an interesting storyline i i do agree with you though that it, it just it, it can it is kind of messy if they were try if they were to try to do it. If they ever if they did put them on the same earth, I feel like we couldn't really have like the Flash or like the main heroes uh you know coming to Freeland to help out. It would have to be kind of like what they do with like the mini crossovers where it's like, you know, maybe they call up Cisco for some tech or something. Or, um, I don't know, uh, who else would be, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of Flash fans on Twitter say they want Iris to visit Freeland. Um, oh, there it, you go. That might be interesting. Or even, that, that could be it, you interesting, know, yeah. the ASA and the DEO have to team up for something and Alex Danvers shows up or something like that. Uh, I think that would be uh, probably the the easiest type of crossover that they can do. Some of the um, main characters, but not necessarily the main hero of the show. Because it would be a bit much to, like, all of a sudden the hero shows up, they save the day. Obviously, they would be the white savior, because they would be ridiculously powerful and that kind of thing. So it'd have to be a, a major threat and uh, even after that, like to have them leave and be like, okay, it's nice being here, Freeland, but I gotta get back to like Central City or National City. I gotta go stop something over there. It is kind of weird, but if you think about it in just heroes and that kind of thing, that is kind of like what happens. It, you know, the Avengers, they team up for a big threat and then they all disappear and they, they go off and they do their own thing. Um, but in the greater storyline, like, what does that mean and how does that look? Uh, I could see that um, maybe not looking the best. Yeah, I'm I'm also just, you know, I think Black Lightning is the best CW show right now. 
Um, and certainly the best in terms of the larger social commentary that it brings into the show. So I just don't see any other CW show coming in, especially on that front and being able to really match up. Um, but I will say that this was discussed at the Paley Fest event um, where people asked um, Cress Williams and Crondon if uh, if there was a possibility Black Lightning would cross over. Um, and one thing that Cress Williams said that I thought was really interesting was he would really like for uh, for characters from the Arrowverse to come to Freeland rather than have Black Lightning visit because he feels that they've created such a strong universe within Black Lightning that, you know, he would want Black Lightning to set the tone rather than, you know, Black Lightning be forced to, you know, go around Star City or Central City. Uh, and I think that is a really good point. Reemphasizes uh, what a strong world they've created on this show. Um, and, I, and I do think, you know, if, if they are going to do crossovers, it should go that way first that, you know, the Arrowverse characters have to acclimate to Freeland, not the other way around. I like that as well. Just following up on something Dimitri said, uh, I agree. Black Lightning is the, the best Arrowverse show. Uh, so what I want for it for next season is more viewers. It's also the lowest rated of the Arrowverse shows. Um, either give it a, a stronger lead in uh, than Arrow, put it back after Flash, or make it the lead into something else. But more people should be watching the show because, uh, as Dimitri said, it's not just that it's the best show. It's the most relevant show. You know, one could make the argument that it's probably the most important show uh, of the Arrowverse shows because it is showing, you know, a, a more real uh, sort of situation. And, uh, you know, yes, they're using the metaphor of people with lightning powers and stuff like that. But it's telling real stories. And uh, it's a show that a lot more people should be watching. Yes, absolutely. And that has actually been brought up as a point of concern in the CW, how low the ratings have gotten. So viewers, if you're listening next season, let's step it up. Tell your wife, tell your kids, tell your husbands. We want everybody watching this show next season. It is so relevant. It is possibly the greatest Spock representation that's been on the on the CW Hourverse shows. We cannot let this show get hit with any sort of low rating critique any longer season three we're going to get its ratings up it's going to be the top cw show of 2019 let's put the positive vibes out there the, the great thing about it is that it will be very soon on netflix uh, that is until uh all of the uh dc comics series all the cw series are going to be going to i i think its own thing or they're going to be going to the uh I think they're going to the Warner Brothers. Um, yeah, I think the DC, uh, the new Warner Brothers uh, uh, streaming service, will have it all. Yeah, so uh, at least for now, it is on Netflix, and uh, hopefully, you know, it gets kind of like the Riverdale bump. You know, Riverdale had a big bump after its first season was on Netflix. Obviously, this is this this show's first season has already been on Netflix, but now that there are more episodes. Uh, hopefully it'll pop up in people's recommendations and uh, people will start to take notice. Uh, it, it isn't, I don't know if it's the lowest. I have to go back and look at, um, what do you call it, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. They might be kind of right next to each other. 
Uh, They're pretty close to each yeah. other. I think Legends was still in the uh, 900s to a million. But anything, I mean, anything tends to drop off when it's, you know, following its lead-in. So uh, as long as it's got Arrow drawing in, you know, a million or just under a million, it's never going to be able to do that much better unless it develops its own fan base. That is true. So uh, hopefully things can get better. We'll put the positive vibes out there during the hiatus. So uh, we've talked about the future. Now let's get back to talking about this episode and uh, this season finale. So now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one. I feel like there are several fantastic choices because, uh, damn, it was a really good episode. So, uh, Dimitri, your MVP, y por qué? Ooh, I have never done this before, but you gotta do it for that beatdown. Lynn gets MVP this episode. That moment will go down in history. Um, I also think that the um, the weird interaction with Jeff at, with uh, not Jeff with Jen at the end, where she's like so unused to getting a compliment from her daughter. I thought that had a genuine feel to it, even though it's sort of a weird moment. And I think Christine Adams really, uh, really nailed the the sort of delicate balance there. So, yeah, that was so entertaining. We got such a huge payoff there. And, yeah, Lynn, Lynn has got to be a MVP for this episode. I like it. She was my number one choice, but there are many others to choose from. But And I always pick Lynn, so I'm glad you repped her well. Professor X, your MVP and why? I actually changed my MVP in the uh, the final scene uh, of the show, uh, and I decided I'm going to give it to uh, to Cress Williams uh, playing Jefferson Pierce and Black Lightning. Uh, you know, um, just that last scene uh, where he was breaking down in front of his family, uh, I thought was was so beautifully done. And also, you know, it set up the reactions from the other characters uh, so beautifully. And, you know, uh, Black Lightning, you know, it's easy to overlook the, the titular character sometimes, but, you know, he was very strong throughout um and uh and and also you know got his revenge on tobias so you know uh i think he was definitely the mvp of this app i like it two fantastic choices and uh i'm going to give it to tobias whale crondon has been fantastic since episode one season one and i loved what he did in this episode sort of like the slight craziness of talking to the portrait the uh, intensity of his uh, scenes with Cutter, the fight sequence with um, the Lightning family, and then the end, just the menace, the pissed-offedness, the, 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 just the, the sheer anger in his face of finally being caught and being stuck in the pit. He's a revelation to me. Like, from this series, like, he is the revelation. Because I had never seen him before. He was, like, um, a a hip-hop artist that I believe had only done, like, maybe a tiny little guest spot here or there. This was, like, his first major role. And, man, did he knock it out the park every episode. Like, there wasn't an episode in which... Uh, I thought he, um, you know, he went wrong with Tobias, and this was just another fantastic episode for him. It seems as if we are not going to see him for a while. I doubt we will be sort of like checking into the pit. Uh, maybe the episode in which 
at least we all think he's got, he'll escape. We'll sort of catch up with what he has been up to. So to leave us with this fantastic performance, I will give it to him. So now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 electrical bolts? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted electrical force field. Now, before I pick any of you, uh, I, I did receive uh, a uh, telegram from Rohan. Uh, Rohan could not be with us, but he did submit his rating for the episode. So I will read it, uh, you know, just to sort of at least get a little bit of Rohan in uh, this season finale. And he gave the episode 9 out of 10. He said it was good. He said it was a ton of fun, but a little bit messy, and he felt that it didn't tie together a lot of the stuff that was introduced in other episodes. And and he felt that the way that they took down Tobias was a little anticlimactic. So, a 9 from Rohan. Let's see. Uh, Professor X, how would you rate this episode? Well, that uh, uncalled for uh, attack by Rohan forces me to give a higher rating just to balance things out. Uh, I was going to give it a 10. Um, I'm going to bump that up to give it a force field. Uh, I found myself extremely satisfied at the end of the episode. Uh, I thought they wrapped things up nicely. Uh, and they clearly set us up for what's coming uh, next season. So, uh, yeah, I just found this was, you know, an eminently rewatchable, satisfying uh, episode and uh, and again we didn't really you know mention her as much uh, towards the end but I thought Cotter had a really good ending too you know leaving on her own terms uh, and I think there's there's still a lot of, uh, uh, of stuff to be dealt with uh, as far as this goes so yeah I'm going to give it the, uh, the force field for the last time this season I like it I love when the professor gets <laughs> feels like he needs to enact revenge on our co-host so we got a nine we've got an electric force field dimitri where do you stand how would you rate this episode uh, i'm gonna give it a 10 points off for no thunder grace conclusion um but other than that some really iconic epi- uh moments during this episode i thought jeff breaking down was really heartfelt we're going to be talking about that lynn moment for years to come um we got to see jen finally be full-fledged as lightning I do hope she is not sort of a Mary Sue in terms of her powers and that, you know, they do introduce limitations to what she can do because, as the professor said, she is kind of in Dark Phoenix mode right now. Um, Great, you know, dynamics between the girls and Jeff and Gamby. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to settle on a 10. Alrighty, we've got a 9, we've got a 10, we've got an electrical force field. We also have bitter party of one for Dimitri. Your table is ready. Um, That's amazing. So I am going to... I'm going to give it an electrical force field because fuck it. It was fantastic. It is a very rewatchable episode. It was so damn good. It was jam-packed. All of the episodes of Black Lightning are jam-packed, but this one was extra jam-packed. Yes, we did not get Thunder Grace, but I'm perfectly fine with it because there will be a better uh, sort of uh, reunion in the next uh, episode or so, you know, at least maybe within the first couple episodes of the new season. It would have been shoehorned here, and it would. Uh, I-, I feel like Dimitri would have been bitching about, ugh, they did not spend enough time on the reunion. They did not kiss or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm glad they didn't do it because... Oh, they finished. Match. Oh, well, obviously. Match. 
but uh, I'm glad they didn't do it because it was just so jam-packed. We had the return of the Reverend, the return of Khalil, Issa, Wendy Wendy. We have brand new metas. We've got the Markovian threat. We had the Agent Odell reveal, Tobias in the pit, the family together. We had Peach freaking Cobbler, and I love me some Peach Cobbler, so that just took it over the top. So it's an electrical force field from moi. So now it is time to grade the season. We're at the tail end of the season. We're going to be giving the season a letter grade. A, B, C, D, F. Pluses and minuses are allowed. And, oh, what's that? Oh, it's another telegram from Rohan. I do have Rohan's grade. And uh, his overall season score is a B plus. He said it was a great season overall, but a little bit messy. And uh, once again, uh, not that many threads were properly tied together, at least in Rohan's opinion. So we start off with the B plus, which is still a pretty strong grade. I don't know if it'll be on the low side based off of the rest of us. So, uh, Dimitri, what's your grade for the season? Uh, I'm going to go with an A. The only reason it's not getting an A plus is the whole side plot with the Sanjay was a little weird. It introduced some interesting commentary, but I could have gone either way on that. Other than that, the rest of this was a was a solid, solid season. Really enjoyed it. Some great character development all around. So I'm going to give this season an A. Alrighty. So we've got a B plus. We've got a solid A. Professor, what about you? Where do you stand? Uh, I, I stand with Dimitri. Solid A. Uh, I agree. The Sanjay stuff was a little weird. Uh, but, you know, they got that out of the way fairly early. Uh, they finished the season really strong. They set us up for next season. And they introduced us to uh, to Grace. Uh, so I think when we look back at season two, we'll all appreciate it for that reason, if nothing else. Exactly. Well, they fleshed her out a little bit more. We had a teeny tiny taste in season one, but we got a whole lot more. Did grace. we? We did. Remember, they met at the bar. That was yes. season one. Oh, that's right. At the library. But here's where they got oh, it was at all. the library. Yes. And then they saw each other yes. again at the bar, right? There you go. All right. And uh, I will agree with uh, those that are right. Sorry, Rohan. I'm going to give it an A as well. And to be quite honest, it really is because of the Sanjay storyline. That's the thing that really does take away from the plus. Because overall, it was a really fantastic season. I would say even on par with uh, season one, which uh, for any series... uh, is very difficult to do. I mean, there's always the sophomore slump. And uh, the only thing that slumped for me was uh, the the Sanjay storyline, I believe. It was just two episodes. We got it done. It did open up the world of Freeland a little bit, but it was a little weird. Weird, weird, weird. But everything else was fantastic. Uh, The the storylines were incredibly strong. I felt like we got a lot of character development. And, man, did uh, it end... Uh, incredibly strong. The season ended on a high note. I'm so curious about where we're going in season three. So uh, yeah, I'm going to give it an A as well. So three A's and uh, Rohan is on his little B plus island way over there. That's why we can't hear him. He's all the way over there on the B plus island. So before we disappear for our hiatus, uh, it's time for a new segment that I'm calling Hiatus Highlights, where our co-host team is going to give you, the listener, a couple of pop culture recommendations to enjoy during uh, the Black Lightning hiatus. And uh, let's start off with Professor X. What are a couple of your 
hiatus highlights? Uh, well, I've got two recommendations. One is uh, something that's comic-related, uh, and it's going to sound a little strange, but bear with me. Uh, it's a, a new series just started last week on uh, the Cartoon Network called uh, DC Superhero Girls. It's a sort of uh, youthful take on uh, the sort of classic uh, female superheroes uh, from the DC canon. Um, it's uh, a really charming, it, it's not as, you know, annoying as Teen Titans Go. Uh, it's much more charming. Uh, it's funny. Uh, and the animation style is really, really uh, interesting and fun. Uh, I've seen the first four episodes uh, and, uh, and and I just found it, as I say, charming. It's, it's really worth a look, even if you're not a kid, and I'm not a kid. But if you like the characters, uh, you know, it's, it's a chance to visit them in a new form. And uh, yeah, I found it uh, delightful. Uh, my other one's, uh, you know, um, uh, a little deeper than that. It's a Netflix series called um, Russian Doll. Uh, came out about a month ago or a month to six weeks ago. Um, I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to spoil anything, but it's uh, it's got definite elements. If you're a fan of, you know, the time travel elements and, you know, the notion of, you know, is fate fixed? How can we change our fates that we see, you know, on Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, and are increasingly seeing on Arrow? Uh, this season, uh, I think you'll like Russian Doll. It's it's very smartly done, and uh, it's only eight episodes long, uh, so you can binge it over the course of a weekend. Uh, but it's uh, really, really smart and enjoyable. I like it, Dimitri. What about you? What are your hiatus highlights? So I'm I'm gonna go in two uh, two very uh, different directions. Uh, I'm gonna start on a serious note. If you're interested in a lot of the social issues that uh, that black light uh, that black lightning highlights, um, two sort of comedian uh, slash commentators that I really like are W. Kamau Bell and Hari Kondabolu, who used to run a podcast called Politically Reactive. If you get a chance, check out that podcast. Um, some really in-depth work on the state of race relations in the United States. Um, what can be done to improve the situation and a nuanced look at some of the current events that are unfolding right now. Both of them also got Netflix stand-up specials this year. So W. Kamal's special is uh, Private School Negro and Hari Kondabolu's special is One Your Relatives. Both great, great stand-up specials if you need an evening's entertainment. And for social issues on a more global scale, uh, Patriot Act by Hassan Minaj also a great Netflix show to go in the totally opposite direction from all the serious stuff. Uh, I recently found out through Twitter that China Ann McLean was a Disney pop star. Yes. Um, and if you check out some of her old music videos from when she's like 13, she's an absolute uh, kid, but they are like uh, sort of just uh, hilarious sort of kids boppy tunes she has this music video called calling all, calling the, monsters, all the monsters which is hilarious and strangely catchy calling um all the so monsters. yeah uh it's worth the listen um the video is definitely worth a couple of chuckles and yeah most importantly my recommendation for you is to garner all the support that you can we're gonna get these ratings up in season three people we're gonna get these ratings up it'll be the top CW show by the end of season three. We're going to make it happen, fam. And just to piggyback a little bit, if you actually YouTube uh, some of her song titles and like remix, you can actually find some really hot remixes to like calling all the monsters and that kind of stuff. I'm just saying, like, it's a good song. 
Anyway, before I go, uh, Dimitri's a very humble person, but Dimitri is actually a, a, a stand-up comedian. And, and uh, like, he does his thing. Like, he isn't a stand-up comedian like Rohan is with Captain Dreadlocks. Like, Dimitri actually goes out into clubs and makes people laugh on a regular basis, sometimes just by saying Keiko. Uh, right, Professor? That was the professor's cue to laugh. I, I was going to drop that reference in there, but I thought to myself, well, it's a different podcast. It's crossing the streams. Oh, well, that is true. Uh, but, uh, Dimitri, I want to give you a chance to plug yourself. Like, where can the listeners find you on social media? Because th there they can get any information in regards to, uh, you know, touring and shows and that kind of stuff. Where can they find you on the web? Oh, Jeff, I didn't know you cared. Just um, a tad. Yeah, um... Listeners, if you want to follow up with my stand-up and also catch me live-tweeting uh, Black Lightning and The Flash next season, um, my Twitter is at brownbaldbeauty, all lowercase and all true. And my Instagram is the same, brownbaldbeauty. Very um, humble. You can check me out there. Um, for New York City listeners, I'll be at Brooklyn House of Comedy next Thursday, 328 at 8 p.m., and if we have any listeners in North Carolina, I'll be doing the North Carolina Comedy Festival in April next month. So I'm looking forward to seeing all you guys there. I will not be doing flash jokes because that is a very targeted audience. But hopefully you guys like some of my other material as well. And definitely looking forward to seeing all your beautiful faces on the on journey. Yes, uh, Dimitri loves to like brown team. bald beauty, and now I have to clear my web history. I'm sorry. Oh this my just, gosh, this is disturbing. Oh my gosh, what I optimized? I am the first thing that comes up, then oh. all the disturbing videos. Oh, oh I'm God. sorry, I was on page two. There's oh my, those are disturbing. Uh, I have to go. Oh my gosh. Uh, Dimitri does love him a live tweet, uh, and he has been binging some other stuff, so maybe, maybe you should tweet what you're binging. That might be kind of interesting. I'm just saying. I'll consider an that. idea. That's an interesting idea, yeah. Anywho, now it's time for my hiatus highlights. And uh, two, uh, well, I have two things that I'm going to recommend. And both of them are for our uh, more adult uh, Black Lightning uh, listeners uh, and fans. The first thing, well, they're both stars series. Uh, the first one is currently in its second season. It's called American Gods. And uh, if you're really into like the world building that black lightning does and the explorations of race and that kind of thing uh i think you might like american gods uh it, it's got an amazing cast it's almost like an adult fairy tale because it's the stories of the old gods and new gods and there's a little thread of mystery in it and it's a very easy binge both of the seasons season one was eight episodes and this current season season two is going to be eight episodes as well and uh, wonderful acting wonderful writing the visuals are spectacular uh, it's truly an amazing show that I feel like not that many people are watching. So uh, tune into American Gods on Stars or binge it wherever you binge your stuff. And the other show that I will recommend just started and it actually airs after American Gods on Stars. It's called uh, Now Apocalypse. It's a very adult show. Um, there's a lot of frank sexuality in it and that kind of thing, but it's a very weird and trippy kind of show. Uh, Greg Araki uh, created it and he's known for very weird, very visual um, 
very odd movies. Uh, and uh, it's a very funny show. It's a very weird show. It's about uh, a dude that senses an apocalypse that's coming. There's a giant reptile creature that's having sex with people. It's very odd, but it, it's hella entertaining, and I would will recommend that one as well. So American Gods and Now Apocalypse. So, on that note, we would like to thank everyone for joining us these past 16 episodes. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Freeland Gazette. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the Freeland Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Co-hosts, for the final time this season, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, everyone. Good night, but before we go, one last accolade. Um, This was my first season working with Poppy Chulo Radio, and so I want to give a huge shout-out to Jeff for for bringing me on board for a couple of podcasts and for running such a tight ship. we uh, It's been a real pleasure um, doing this podcast and getting to know my fellow co-hosts and uh, getting the ability to reach all you beautiful listeners. So uh, snap it up for Jeff one time. We appreciate you, fam. Yes, as the podcast reaches the two-hour mark, let's give Jeff uh, credit for running a tight ship. <laughs> Well, there you go. I was about to say my allergies are starting to flare up. I'll be honest. I really never know how to receive this kind of stuff, but I, I do receive it, I, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate all of you. Uh, and uh, you have been fantastic to work with, Dimitri, this season, and the professor is always uh, oh, A-plus since the beginning. So um, I really enjoyed working with both of you and Rohan, uh, wherever he is. Uh, Rohan, fam. Yes, uh, all of you were fantastic this season, so I truly thank all of you as well. And uh, and listeners, I thank you as well. Thank you for tuning in. From all of us here at the Freeland Gazette, we wish you a good night.